Podcast Answer Man, episode number 303. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Hello, everyone. This is Amy Porterfield from the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast. And you're listening to the man who's trained more people to podcast than anyone else in the world, Cliff Ravenscraft. He is the podcast answer man. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this, my friends, is the podcast about podcasting, helping you take your show to the next level. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new podcaster, if you've been podcasting for many years, or you haven't quite yet recorded that first episode, there's something we can all do to take our podcast and everything else we do in life to the next level. Uh, Good morning, everybody. For those of you who are listening to this in the morning as I am recording it, or good afternoon or good evening or happy weekend to you, whatever the case may be, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Podcast Answer Man. I am so excited about what I'm about ready to tell you. There is no show next week. I know that sounds crazy. You think, man, Cliff, you must absolutely every single week, I can just tell you cannot wait to get behind the microphone and record another episode of Podcast Answer Man. And you know what? I do love recording this show. It is it is one of the highlights of my week. But I will tell you that after 300 and now three episodes, that this actually is a chore sometimes. It is something that is work. It is something that is a necessity. And that if it wasn't so crucial and critical to my business I would take a week off every now and then, randomly. Just just I would do it. But I don't just randomly take weeks off. I do take weeks off from time to time uh, when I'm traveling out of town or something like that. But those episodes or those weeks where I take a week off are very few and far between. You know, I was in an interview with my good friend David J. Solar. He has the Relationship Marketing Podcast look that up in iTunes. He's a great guy. Anyway, um, David interviewed me on his podcast recently, and he was asking about how how important is consistency when communicating with your community. And I said, well, when it comes to my podcast, I honestly believe this, that if I were to go three months without releasing a brand new episode of Podcast Answer Man, 90% of my income would disappear. And that includes my passive income. Uh, Passive income from digital product tutorial uh, sales, uh, passive income from equipment sales that I don't have to work on, but my my assistant processes for me. Um, You know, all of those things. And and certainly my direct sales of my podcasting A to Z course and and, uh, all the other stuff. And not only that, but even speaking gigs, I believe, would dry up and go away. So, so I do believe that 90% of my income would disappear completely if I was to stop producing Podcast Answer Man for more than three months. Now, some of you will say, well, well, not some of you, but, but I, I have heard other people tell me, well, gosh, Cliff, you really ought to be working on your business uh, and not in it. 
because it sounds to me like this is just not sustainable. It's a house of cards that could fall down at any moment. What happens if this? What happens if that? What happens if this? And, you know, I, I certainly understand their point of view, and I am always thinking about those things. But uh, that, and, and I will probably try to find some ways that, that everything's not so reliant upon me actively producing content every week. But I can just say, regardless of what systems and other you know streams of of um, introductions to the content that I do create, I just wanted to point out by stating all of this just how important it is to be consistent, to be reliable, to be dependable. When you are there every week, your audience comes to trust you in a way that it would be more difficult to actually have the level of trust um, that people have with me if you were trying to do something in your niche field and you just randomly disappeared off the face of the web for two or three weeks at a time. And I know that some of you struggle with that. You, you, You have day jobs. You have this business you've been dreaming of doing full time. Uh, but you just can't put the full time hours into it, and and you and and it just isn't something that for you in your own mind you don't believe it's something that you can carry off putting out a weekly episode every single week, and and I just want to tell you I I don't think that that's true I I mean I just don't I mean I I can honestly say that I did this for two years before I ever left my day job. And for two years, I worked more, actually for the last year, uh, the last year before I went into this full time, I was working a minimum of 40 hours a week at the insurance office. And I will tell you that I was putting in at least 40 hours a week building my online stuff, putting out about five to seven episodes per week of podcasts, sometimes as many as 15 episodes in a single week. So, you know, it takes me back to something I read about in uh, uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book. Actually, I didn't read the book. I just I just read the portion of the book that dealt with the thing everybody told me about, which is the 10,000-hour rule. And a lot of people think that um, the 10,000-hour rule says that to become an expert in any field, you just need to devote 10,000 hours to it. And that is not true. That is not what the 10,000-hour rule says. In fact, the t- uh, to be an expert in anything, you could do that just by reading two or three books on any subject, and you all of a sudden are an expert. And what does it take to be an expert? It just takes the fact that you know more about that subject than the people who would consider you to be an expert. So most people, I mean, seriously, this is unfortunately true. Most people don't read books. They don't. Most people don't take time to go and, and and sign up for conferences and most people don't spend lots of money to take courses on certain things that they're interested in and if you were to devote yourself to maybe taking a, a col- an extra college course on something, uh, an online four-week or six-week study on something, read a couple books around a field or a topic, uh, that's really all it takes. You could become an expert in 90 days, easy in any field that you want. So so that's not the 10,000-hour rule. What does the 10,000-hour rule? And actually, this comes from the opening of my platform talk, talk that I gave um, in, uh, back in February at the platform conference in 
Nashville. Anyway, I'm going to pull it up right here and I'll read to you what the 10,000 rule actually does say. And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about this, this is from the book Outliers from Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, it's The book is Outliers, the story of success. And so I've told you what the 10,000 hour rule doesn't say. Let me tell you what he actually does say. He says that it takes 10,000 hours to be a phenomenon, to be so freakishly awesome, to be such a standout among your peers that sometimes your first name is enough to tell people who you are, like Peyton, Tiger, or Oprah. Here's a quote from the book. I absolutely love this. The researchers also studied professional and amateur pianists and got the same result. By age 20, the professionals had logged at least 10,000 hours of practice. They found no naturals who rose to the top of their profession with less practice and no grinders who logged 10,000 hours but didn't rise to the professional ranks. Their conclusion, the thing that distinguishes one performer from another is how hard he or she works. That's it. And what's more, the people at the very top don't just work harder or even much harder than everyone else. They work much, much harder. And I love that. I absolutely love that. And why do I share that? Because one of the things I will tell you is that I have well over 20,000 hours into podcasting. And and I had the 10,000 hours, I think, already down within the first... Ah, actually within the first year of doing this full time, uh, because I had already put in, logged a ton of hours before, you know, doing it part time for two years. And, and what's really amazing is that I actually did, um, hit the 10,000 hours right about the time where my income started to take a major swing for the better. So anyway, Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. I do believe in working really really hard. So why do I bring all of this up? Well, number 1, I wanted to infire, I wanted to fire you up about this idea of being consistent and if you think you can't do it, well guess what? You're just not willing. I mean, honestly, that's it. I'm going to tell you, I I struggle too. I, I there is nothing that has kept me from getting out and walking 10,000 steps a day every single day for the last 4 months of this year other than the fact that I've just simply been unwilling to do it. Okay, I've been lazy in that area of my life. There's no question about it. There are no excuses. It is just a plain and simple fact. I have been lazy in that fact. And as a result, guess what? I'm not as thin as I'd like to be right now. I am not as physically healthy as I'd like to be. And so this idea that I'm going to be able to just continue to chug through and occasionally you know, maybe do 4,000 steps three times a week and feel great about it and think, oh, wow, I bet you if I was ever asked to do a, you know, run a 5K or a 10K, I could actually get out there and do it right away without hurting myself. Well, yeah, I have just as much luck of doing that as you do of just randomly every now and then putting out an episode of your podcast and, and marketing your business and connecting with people relationally online and then all of a sudden expecting, you know what? I'm going to quit my job in six months. It just That's just not going to happen. So come on, let's get get real about this. But also, I share this to say, guess what? I'm taking a week off next week. 
all of that about consistency. And I am taking a week off. I will not be producing episode number 304 next week. That's it. That's it. I'm not taking, I, I am taking the week off. You know, you know what? I could potentially sneak one in. I probably won't. Let me tell you where I'm going. I am going to San Diego, California, where it's already got perfect springtime weather for us. Uh, it Today, the high is 54 here today. And uh, I think one of the days that next week, it's going to be 75 degrees. And we're going to be walking along the beach. And when I say we, I'm actually taking my wife and all three of our children to San Diego with me. Now, why am I going to San Diego? Uh, well, first of all, it's it's spring break for the family. We would have never just taken a trip to uh, spring, you know, to go over to California. And by the way, for those who are in the chat room, I am definitely not paused. Uh, I, I, I definitely unpaused as soon as I looked up my quote from Outliers. Everybody's like, oh my gosh, I hope he's not paused because he's really going on. This is be, he's going to be really hurt if he doesn't have that thing unpaused on the recorder. Uh, but yes, the, the recorder is going just fine. But anyway, why am I going? So it's spring break. Normally wouldn't have gone to San Diego, but here's the deal. I am going to San Diego as a, a professional speaker, and I am going to be speaking at Social Media Marketing World, which is a conference that's being put together by socialmediaexaminer.com uh, and Michael Stelzner, good friend of mine. And there's going to be over a thousand people in attendance. They've got sponsors like you would not believe. I mean, big, huge corporate sponsors. It's going to be huge. And I am so excited about the fact that I've been invited to be among the speakers who will be speaking there. Anyway, so I I, I knew we were going to San Diego. And Stephanie's like, I want to go to San Diego. And St- Stephanie went to San Diego by herself one year after we were married. So that was about 16 years ago, I think. And she ran the very first ever rock and roll marathon. Actually, she walked it. But still, (laughs) this is better than I've ever done in any kind of marathon. And uh, so she wants to go back and kind of relive that 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 time. And and she's like, I want to go. And it's spring break. Why don't we all go? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, do you know how that's how much that's going to cost us? And she says, yeah. And I said, "Okay, let's do it. And uh, so we are. We're packing up the family. And this Sunday, we're flying to California. And um, Sunday evening, I'm going to a networking party. And the family's going to probably hang out in the hotel pool or go out and have a fancy dinner somewhere uh, next to the ocean. And uh, then on, I think it's uh, Monday, I'm going to go to the opening of the conference and then I'm taking the, re- and I, I shouldn't tell you this because most people would never know that I would miss half the day or most of the day on, on Monday. But I'm, I'm all about transparency here. But uh, I am going to go to the opening keynote and the opening networking session. And then I'm taking the rest of Monday and I'm uh, spending that with my family and, in San Diego. And then that evening there is a networking cruise so I will be on the cruise. Unfortunately, my wife will not be with me because we don't have anybody to uh, take care of our three kids while we're there together. But uh, I will be on the networking cruise Monday evening. And then Tuesday, Stephanie and the kids are going to do some fun stuff on their own. And I will be spending all day at the conference. Uh, I am speaking in the morning. And I'm also, uh, I have a panel session that I'm doing with Pat Flynn and Michael Stelzner 
on Tuesday afternoon. And so I'll be there all day on Tuesday. And then Tuesday evening, Stephanie and the kids will be joining myself and Pat and the three of us, or all of us together, are hosting a big, huge meetup uh, at a pizza place on 5th uh, in the Gas Lamp District in San Diego. We've reserved the entire restaurant and we already have completely sold out. We have a limited space for 100 people who can join us in this restaurant. We have the entire restaurant from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. and it is all ours for 100 people and we've already sold out all 100 spots, which is absolutely awesome. So uh, that's what we're going to be doing. And then Wednesday, uh, we'll, the, the conference ends on Tuesday, right before our meetup. And then on Wednesday, all day, I will be spending the day with my family in San Diego doing some fun and amazing stuff. And then Thursday, we'll be flying home all day uh, on Thursday. So I will not be recording an episode. And I honestly... In a million years, I can't think of how I might possibly even squeeze in an episode of Podcast Answer Man. I Technically, guess what? If I wanted to work much, 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 much harder than anyone else, I'm sure I could pull it off with no problem at all. And I could do it at 10, 2 a.m. in the morning and upload that thing and get it out. And you know what? You guys would love me for it. So why is it okay from time to time to take a week off? Well, when you have given and given and given and you've built up the reciprocity levels with your audience. I think that they'll be more than happy to understand that, you know what, Cliff does need a week off. Would I love to not have an empty hole, a gaping, gigantic void in my weekly listening schedule? Yeah, I would rather not have that, but we understand. And you know how I know this to be true because I do this with Father Roderick. Father Roderick uh, goes around in the world all the time and takes two or three weeks off of podcasting from his podcast, The Break, which I think, I'm not sure, there's like 800, 900 episodes of that show, and I've never missed an episode. Uh, So I know what it's like to not want to miss. And by the way, um, in the studio, right behind me, right behind my door, the the painters are here painting the house. And uh, so you're hearing probably when the gate is, is engaged or opened up for my voice, you're probably hearing uh, the sound of that uh, vacuum cleaner in the background. So I'm not going to worry about that. It's just a part of what it is. And and by the way, for those of you who say, you know, hey, what what do you do when you're you're recording and and how can you know is it possible for you to go in and and maybe completely remove the sound of that that vacuum cleaner? Uh, can that be done? And, and the answer to your question is, yeah, I could probably go in and clean up that vac or take out the sound of the vacuum cleaner. Am I going to? No way. The fact is, is if I did it using the the tools that are available to me, uh, the truth is, is I would actually have my the frequencies of my voice completely effective, affected in a negative way. And it would sound worse without the vacuum noise than it would sound with the vacuum noise. So why don't I just make it a part of the show and say, hey, guess what? We have an, a team of people here who are painting our entire house and they're actually out there vacuuming uh, sections of of our our floors where um, they had you know basically been doing some stuff. So that's what's going on. And uh, Nick says honestly, I can't even hear it. And for those of you who are listening with speakers or you're driving in your car, you're absolutely right. If I wouldn't have mentioned it, you would have never heard a thing. But for those of you who are out, maybe for a quiet walk 
and you're listening with headphones on or earbuds in, you know what I'm talking about. You can hear it back there. And uh, it's only going to get louder in just a moment because they're, they're actually coming down the steps. I can hear it. And they'll soon be outside my door. So uh, even even those of you with the uh, the speakers on, you'll be able to hear it. But anyway, so how's that for an opening of Podcast Answer Man? Just rambling for 20 minutes. But I don't think that I've rambled. I think that what I've shared with you already uh, would be valuable enough for an episode. I could actually stop right now, end this show, and say I'll be back next week, and then go ahead and record another episode of Podcast Answer Man, and you'd, and it'd be no big deal at all. But that's not what I'm going to do. I'm taking the I'm taking the week off next week. That's all there is to it. And I'm trying to tell myself it's okay. So if you think that I'm just going on and on about this whole taking a week off, maybe I'm just trying to convince myself that it's okay. And and it is. Uh, just don't make a habit of it, people. That's that's my point. That's where I'm going with this thing. All right, so yeah, let's talk about a personal plug of the week. This week, I my personal plug of the week goes out to Lourdes Wellhaven, and she has a podcast that you can find at networkerforbusinesswomen.com. I'll say that one more time, networkerforbusinesswomen.com. And for those of you who don't think that there are enough women podcasters out there, let me tell you, my world is overrun with with women podcasters. I'm surrounded by women podcasters. They're always everywhere. And it's, it's just amazing. And I absolutely love the fact that there are more and more women getting into the world of podcasting. And uh, But anyway, I want you to check out Lourdes uh, Wellhaven at networkerforbusinesswomen.com. Just when you get on the site, up in the nav menu, go ahead and click the uh, podcast button or link there. And uh, I want you to check out one special episode, and that's episode number 10, 10 of her podcast. And here's, here's the thing, episode number 10, and she's already received the, or she's already had the ability to gain a guest for her show that is in some ways a celebrity. She's actually had Kelly Costello, who was a recent... Um, participant in the Shark Tank. So she's an entrepreneur who has done some pretty amazing things and uh, she actually was able to make it onto the television show, The Shark Tank. Uh, And that to me makes anybody a celebrity. I would love to be on The Shark Tank except for the fact I would never want anybody to own a portion of my company. I don't need your stinking money. I'll make my own. Anyway, but I do love this show, The Shark Tank, and uh, I have not yet listened to the episode, but she did send me uh, a link to the episode. I clicked on it, and I listened to the opening. I listened to the middle of it, and uh, the it, it's good. It's good, what I've heard so far, and I look forward to getting in and actually having some time maybe later this week. Uh, maybe I'll go out for a walk. <laughs> talking about this stuff man if you really want it you gotta work really really hard but anyway hopefully uh if chances are you might actually get to listen to episode 10 before i do but if you like it please be sure to let lordez know that you heard her from the podcast answer man and if you really really like it head on over to itunes search for her there give her a five-star rating and write a little nice review some encouraging words That's what makes the podcasting world go around. 
All right, my friends, let's turn things over to our voicemail feedback hotline. And we have two, actually, I think it's two questions, or we have a few questions, and we also have a few comments. So we're going to start things off with Brian, who wants to know why I changed my pop filter in my equipment package. Brian, take it away. Hey, Cliff, this is Brian from Missouri. I see on your site you changed your pop filter that you recommend, and I was actually going there to purchase the old one. So if you could mention that, uh, what type it was, and let us know why you switched to the new single-layer mesh screen, and tell me the pros and cons of it versus your old one, please. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right, Brian. Thanks. Uh, Yeah, I did change my pop filter that I am using on my Heil PR40. And it is a brand new pop filter. And those who are watching me as I'm recording live, they know that I am very close to my microphone when I say the words pop filter. Extremely close. And it sounds just as good as it did when I was using my old pop filter. Now, here's the deal. Uh, if you don't have a if you don't have a pop filter, it it can it can sound really bad. Uh, your plosive P's will get on my nerves, that's for sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, you definitely want to have some kind of either windscreen or pop filter in front of your microphone. And for the longest time, I was using the VAC hyphen PR four zero made by Popless filters. In fact, the guy who creates those, his name is Brian Gunn, super nice guy. Um, and, and you know, it's, he's kind of like a one-man shop. And I, and I had been supporting him and the work that he had been doing for many, many years. Uh, and, and by the way, I believe that the VAC PR40 was a, uh, was a quality product. From design to implementation, I, I really liked the VAC PR40. Now, the thing is, is I've been selling equipment since, uh, well, before 2008, and and I've sold a lot of <laughs> a lot of those. My supplier would often order 30 to 40 of those at a time just for me and my equipment orders. And as long as we had them in stock, that was great. Uh, the problem that I ran into, and and by the way, I did not I did not leave. Uh, I did not switch my recommended um, pop filter because of any problems with the manufacturing or anything like that. I still think it's a quality product if you can get your hands on one. See, the issue that I've had, and this has happened to me about three to five times since 2008, is that I would, you know, my, I would, my supplier would run out and right around when they get to about seven, they usually place an order for about 30 more of these things. And there have been three occasions where it's taken months for those orders to get filled. And that would often cause issues where I'd have people buying my uh, podcast answer man equipment package or my Heil PR40 package. And and these people had paid uh, already on my website and I would have these orders to fill and my suppliers like, this is on back order, this is on back order. And I would have to go back to those clients and say, listen, this is on back order. We could either wait. Um, I've looked at some other suppliers. They're also on back order. Uh, and and there's nothing I can do to get this. Here's the situation. Um, I can, here are three other options that we could go with. And and I chose those. And, and sometimes I would offer a discount. Uh, for inconvenience, I would throw in an extra um, 
I would have to throw, or I wouldn't have to, but I chose to throw in an extra video tutorial or whatever the case may be. And and I always handled the situation, but it came up a lot. I mean, there are some times when I sell as many as, you know, five equipment packages in a week. And when you do that, and there was one point where we waited three months before we actually saw those come in. Um, it got so bad at one, actually at two different times that I actually went into my eJunkie uh, shopping solution and actually updated the quantity to zero, which means that when people went to my site, it would say out of stock. That means you can't purchase the entire package. You can't pi- purchase the Heil package. And I did that because I knew I was going to be out of town for a week. And I knew I wouldn't have the time to actually go in and, and do all the other stuff. And and at the time, I wasn't making great use of my virtual assistant. Uh, so, so I would actually just make it to where people for... Uh, three weeks they couldn't buy anything from me until my supplier got some kind of backup solution in but um, I'd always emailed Brian certainly you know I understand some you know family emergencies and, and stuff like that can come up um, and and that's what had happened and I stuck with him for a very long time and I stuck with the PR the VAC PR40 but what happened was um, it happened multiple times and and the last time, that we had any sort of uh, back order. Uh, it was the third time that that we had this extended back order. I, I went ahead and contacted my friend Justin over at BSW USA. He's my backup supplier uh, for my equipment packages. And anyway, I am using now um, this RE, I think it's an RE320 pop is what I use. And it, I know it says that it's not for the high LPR40, but I use it for the high LPR40. It's what you see on Twit. Actually, I think they use the re 27 which is the the champagne colored one but anyway this this single metal mesh uh pop filter i i actually i i don't want to say that i like it better but i like it exactly equally as much for different reasons number one it is much lower profile it is absolutely lower profile um and and so i kind of i really like it for that and the other thing I like is it's a wire mesh, and so it is more effective as a single mesh than a cloth mesh. But but I, w- I will tell you that I kind of miss having the double pop. But even with that, I can actually say, you know, plosive peas, and that does not sound too bad with this. So I like them equally as much. They're about the same price, and so it didn't actually change anything when it came to the pricing of my uh, packages. And I'm like, okay, let's go with this. And I worked out an arrangement where my main supplier, which by the way, the, 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 my new pop filter is actually manufactured and, and ordered and everything. It, it, you know, BSW designed it and, and it's, their, it's their filter. But um, BSW is not my main supplier. Uh, they would love to be. <laughs> uh, Justin would love to have me uh, be there to, to be my main supplier. But, um, but no, my main supplier is, uh, I'll even tell you, it's, it's uh, proaudio.com or Cruz Kimsey. I've I've had a relationship with Scott. I've sold more than three hundred eight thousand dollars worth of podcast equipment through him, and uh, he's been through me through thick and thin. This guy, uh, he's a fellow believer and just somebody that I am completely loyal and dedicated to. And so I couldn't leave him, uh, even when when you know I had to actually sometimes go over to BSW and get some backup equipment. 
Uh, but anyway, so I, I, I actually had it set up to where Scott is actually getting filters from BSW and stocking them in his warehouse, uh, which is it's pretty wild. But um, so that's the whole story. Why there's a change? Um, the fact is, is that um, I, I can tell you right now, BSW has about 900 of these pop filters in stock. And if if uh, Scott gets down to where there's only about seven pop of these things left in his inventory, he can get he can place an order for forty new uh, um, forty new pop filters, and they'll be in his uh, warehouse within two to three days. So that is why there's a change. Um, I will tell you right now in my in my mind, I think that you will get just a little bit more. Plosive P protection, you like that plosive P protection with the VACR VAC hyphen PR forty from Popless Filter. I do believe you'll get just a little bit more pop filter or pop protection. However, I am thrilled with the much lower profile and very high quality plosive protection that you get from this mesh filter. So. Go check it out. You can see what I'm talking about if you go to podcastanswerman.com slash equipment. So, Brian, hopefully that answers your question. Next, uh, we're going to turn things over to Tony, who uh, wants to know, is there really a benefit of using Lipson over archive.org? He's done some testing. And by the way, I just want to say that this... this um, Feedback was originally two minutes and 20 seconds. I got it down to a minute and four seconds. And and you'll hear, I, I put a little beep in there so you'll know where the edit point was. He actually did the live demonstration of the timing uh, of loading my podcast compared to his pod- podcast. Um, I didn't think that that was necessary, but you'll get the point here. So Tony, take it away. Hey Cliff, this is Tony with the XJ Talk Show a podcast about Jeep Cherokees. Anyway, recently I heard you talking about uh, load times on Libsyn compared to archive.org. And uh, I was concerned that perhaps uh, since I'm cheap and I use archive.org, that maybe I was uh, putting a barrier between new listeners and my show. So I went over to iTunes, and uh, perhaps this is an unfair test because I'm using a PC using Windows 7, not a Mac. So, but, but timing how long it takes to load from iTunes, my show compared to yours, I'm not seeing a big difference. It's hard for me to justify paying for something that took just over two seconds to load for your show and just under four seconds to load for my show. Anyway, I know you're a man of integrity and, and good information, so I wanted to bring this to your attention so that perhaps you can correct or educate me in as much as what you're talking about uh, on extremely long load times from archive.org. Tony, thank you so much. I am, I'm so glad to have somebody who is using archive.org to call me and, and bring this topic up uh, rather than just, you know, you know if, if you think that I might be wrong, I'm, I'm willing to hear that. Uh, I, you know what? You did, you did the um, diagnostic of uh, clicking the streaming button there, the preview button in iTunes, uh, c- comparing your podcast to mine, where mine podcast loaded right around two seconds uh, and yours loaded just under four seconds. And you know what? Right before I hit record today, I actually went in and did it myself. And I confirmed mine actually loaded at 1.5 seconds 
and yours actually loaded right at um, 3.8 seconds. So my results today pretty much mirrored your results. So the question is, is it worth paying a monthly fee to Libsyn to have an additional two-second jump start on the load time? I don't know. Well, I I have many thoughts on this, but the first thought that I will have is, Okay, if if on average most of the shows load within two seconds, um, you know, is, is it you know is it four seconds a little bit long compared to the other ones? Probably not. But here's the thing: to when you did your test and when I just did my test, we had good results. And what I will tell you, and I know to be true, is that you will not always get that good of a result. Your show will not always load at 3.8 seconds. My show will almost always load around two seconds. Almost always it will load around two seconds. Your show will probably many times uh, randomly throughout the day load around you know three and a half to four seconds. There will be times when your show will not load at all. I mean, people will wait 90 seconds and finally it will time out. Um, It just won't load. And the reason why is because um, archive.org is not going to give you a guaranteed uptime. You don't pay them anything. They have no obligation to you whatsoever. And I have seen archive.org go down very often. Um, And and so, and, and by the way, you're talking to somebody who's actually tried or archive.org org myself now granted my experiences were years ago and they could have improved a ton of things since then but the thing is i'm still in regular conversations and communication with people who are like you using archive.org on a consistent basis and yes they are very price conscious and they do not want to switch over to a paid service and they recognize and realize that yeah you know what there are sometimes a couple times a month where my show may not even be accessible for an hour or may not be accessible for 30 minutes or may not be accessible for five minutes here and there. But it always comes back. And I, and you know what? I don't think it's that big of a deal. And for them, that's fine. I'm okay with that. And so uh, the the questions that often come to me is would I recommend archive.org as a media host the answer to that seven days a week 24 hours a day every day of the year is no i would never recommend archive.org personally a recommendation from cliff ravenscraft to anyone that yeah go for go for archive.org it's good enough i would not say that however I am not going to ever put anybody down because they do make use of archive.org. I think that they offer an extremely valuable service. I am so thankful for the Wayback Machine. The Wayback Machine at archive.org is so cool. You could actually go in and do uh, a a Wayback Machine uh, rendering of (laughs) ravenscraft.org. Try it out sometime. You'll get a good laugh, especially if you go all the way back to 1998 or something like that. Uh, fun times had by all. But anyway, I, I, I love archive.org. I think they're a great service out there. And for what they're designed to do, I think they do a wonderful job. But I just don't ever recommend them as a media host because I don't think that they're reliable enough 
for your message to get out to the world. And if your message getting out to the world could potentially be derailed by somebody who would have been a lifetime, long-time listener whose life, whose life was positively impacted by your message and they missed it because they happened to be searching for and previewing shows in iTunes during a 10-minute window where archive.org was offline, yikes. So that's why I, I wouldn't recommend it. I Again, I have nothing bad to say about the people who use it, but... Um, for me, I, I, I feel very strongly about having our content available and online. So that, that's why I have my strong feelings. So, but Tony, I do very much appreciate it. And by the way, if, if any time between, between two seconds to four seconds, not a big deal at all. And if you could actually, if you could actually get archive.org to guarantee you uh, those, those load times, then absolutely go for it. Alrighty, moving on to Sarah. Is it Sarah next? No, Derek is next. Now let's go to Sarah. Sarah's next. Sarah's going to talk to us about Lead Player, something that I did not know about, and that's crazy because I I know the guys who create this thing, and I would have thought that I I would have heard about this. But anyway, Sarah, take it away. Hey, Cliff. This is Sarah from Pearland, Texas, and I just listened to episode three hundred one where you talked about the lead player software. And I actually remember that episode where you introduced us to the lead player and actually bought the software um, based on that capability. It turns out that in the most recent versions of the lead player, it cannot block users from going to YouTube. Uh, I discussed it with their support forum, and their answer was basically that it's against the policies of YouTube to have anything that sits on top of that YouTube watermark. Um, and so they have shifted their focus more to lead capture uh, in terms of um, uh, calls to action and having people sign up for your mailing list and things like that, and less uh, from the perspective of any sort of security or blocking users from going to YouTube. It still makes it more subtle. You don't have as many um, buttons available to take you away, but you can click on the YouTube link and you can go to YouTube, so it doesn't really block it at all. Uh, anyway, I still love the software for what it does, uh, even though I was disappointed that it no longer does that, and clearly that is uh, not your fault because it did do that in previous versions, um, but does not in the current version. Just thought I'd let you know since you mentioned it uh, just recently, and love your show. Thanks. All right, Sarah, wow, thank you so much for letting me and everyone else know about this. And um, yeah, I, I did not know that they that they had um, gone and taken that ability out. I knew that there were a lot of people who questioned that ability and whether or not it might have violated terms of service. And, and I had many times uh, worked with uh, the developer behind it and I was assured that everything that was in line and, and they were having co- ongoing conversations with the YouTube team. But it sounds like, at, you know, at, in the end, they must have, uh, you know, broke, you know, those conversations must have came to the reality that, you know, no, we really don't want you to block our YouTube logo. Um, and and I, I guess that's understandable. So, but it is, it, it is extremely disappointing because one of the, for me, one of the main benefits of lead player was this idea that you could upload a, unlisted YouTube video and then you could actually have a player on your site where that player that video could be embedded on your site and people could not be linked could not click through 
to that unlisted video on YouTube and therefore get the unique URL assigned to that video. Um, so that is a that is a bummer. Um, I, I agree with you that yes, Lead Player is still a very valuable plugin for uh, two reasons. Number one, it's a great tool for capturing emails at the end of a video. It's like you could put a little thing in inside the play inside the player window at any point in the video. You could say, "Hey, uh, you know, before we move forward, you know, you, you've been, you know, we've been going for forty minutes. We got twenty more minutes more, but if you don't mind." Uh, we would love to invite you to conti- to sign up for our mailing list. Uh, if you would like, please enter your name in the form that's about ready to show up, or that that is just now showing up on the screen, or you can, or, or is about ready to show up on the screen, um, or go ahead and click the continue. You know, skip this. You know, whatever. Uh, skip this option, and it would it'll continue the video for you. And basically, what it does is it pauses. It pauses the video, it gives them the opportunity to enter their name and email address or just email address and click the submit button and boom, puts them onto your mailing list and then continues the video right where it it paused. I think that's amazing. There's also the ability at certain points in the videos, it's like, hey, and if you're interested in signing up now, click the link below and and it'll continue to go and it has these calls to actions that you can put at various places and if they click the text on the that's on the video it will actually automatically jump them over to that new link and so there are some great things but honestly my my biggest feature that i loved was the fact that it would allow you to to hide unlisted videos so uh, sarah thank you for the update i'll probably need to try to remember to go in and update the uh, the one podcast episode where I originally uh, promoted Lead Player just so I can put a little disclaimer that, hey, as of some date <laughs> past this, they changed it to where that's not a possible possibility anymore. But uh, by the way, I'm just thrilled to hear that you still do find value in the player after having purchased it. So thank you for the feedback. All right, one more piece of feedback from the voicemail feedback hotline, and this is coming from Derek. Derek, take it away. Hello, Cliff. This is Derek Olson. I have a comment for the podcast Answer Man. Uh, my comment is actually about a podcast that you wrapped up and, and finished, a podcast series that you did a few years ago called the Virtual Assistant Podcast. And the reason why I think it's relevant still today for the podcast Answer Man is that you produced evergreen content that is still relevant today, even though it's been two or three years since you have produced any new episodes. I listened to all the episodes for the virtual assistant podcast because I was thinking about hiring a VA myself and I had all the typical questions like what, you know, what is a pod, uh, a VA and what sorts of tasks can you have a VA do for you? And uh, through listening to your podcast series, I learned exactly what a VA was or what a VA is and what you can have a VA do. And I hired one a couple of weeks ago. I'm loving it so far. They have helped us produce our brand new podcast that my wife Carrie and I are producing. It's called His Plus Hers Equals Ours. You can find it on iTunes and you can find it at hisplushersequalsours.com. And our VA is helping us produce the show and helping us 
up, upload all the blog blog posts and the links to iTunes and Stitcher, and then also use a Hootsuite account to update all the links to my various social media accounts. So I am not the one who is actually doing all of those links and postings. It's actually my VA who takes it from there after I produce the show. So anyway, I think that's pretty cool that a show that you did years ago is still having an effect on people today. And in addition to that, just thanks once again from a guy like me who has very little technical ability. I learned how to podcast by watching your free tutorials on your website. So a big thanks again for that coming from a guy who barely knows how to turn a computer on or off. Thanks again, Cliff. You are very welcome, Derek. Thank you so much for this feedback. And uh, I'm so thrilled that, uh, number one, the tutorials have helped you uh, launch your own shows and, and taking things to a whole new level there. It's very exciting stuff. But also, thank you for this feedback about evergreen content. He's talking about virtualassistantpodcast.com. If you go there, virtualassistantpodcast.com, you'll see 38 podcast episodes that I recorded. I started that show in April 2010. And the last episode that I recorded was December 30th, 2010. So we're talking, you know, I started this show three years ago and ended it by the end of the year. And that show today, every single episode from episode one all the way through episode 38, it is just as valuable today as it was the day I published it to the web. Every single episode. And here's the thing. You just heard what Derek said. But I can tell you this. There are people who this year, this year found the, uh, who had found the Virtual Assistant Podcast, who listened to all 38 episodes and then started to listen to the Podcast Answer Man because right around, well, all through it, I made sure that people knew that I was a podcast consultant and what I'm doing and all of this stuff. So they got to know a little bit more about me. And as they were hearing this podcast and, and listening to it on a weekly basis, they heard how much of an authority I had become in this space in such a short period of time. And by the way, I am an expert in the area of virtual assistants. I am. And guess what? I was an expert as of the first episode of that podcast. And I had only been using a virtual assistant, I think, probably for just about a month. So I had become an expert in no time at all. And 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 that's what I was talking about earlier on. So um, yeah, that, it definitely happened in a very short period of time. I became an expert and not only just an expert, but I became an authority in the world of virtual assistants. A, a, a go-to source of information, and I still am today. There are hundreds, and that's not thousands, I know, or tens of thousands, but there are still hundreds of new people who are listening to each episode of the Virtual Assistant Podcast Answer Man for the very first time today, this this month. Hundreds every single month that are finding this show for the very first time and listening to it. And guess what? My, where I was going, there are people who have found the show this year, listened to all 38 episodes, and made the decision to start listening to Podcast Answer Man, went through learnhowtopodcast.com, and signed up for my $2,000 
podcasting A to Z course as a result of that show. A show that hasn't had an episode since December 2010. All right? So keep that in mind about evergreen content. At, at, you know, you can create a show, just put out 10, 20, 30 episodes. And you know what? Here's, I, th- I've heard some of you say this, and you know who you are. You're, you're going to know who you are as soon as I point you out. I'm not going to name you by name, but as soon as I say this, you're going to know who you are because I've heard you say it. And, and, and I'm talking, yes, I'm talking to all 200 of you out there approximately that I've heard say this statement. You know what I hate about iTunes? <laughs> okay, so you don't say it like that, but you're, you're still going to know where I'm coming from. You know what I hate about iTunes? I hate that I do a search for a podcast and there's all these other podcasts out there that are higher rated than I am and they haven't released an episode since December 2010. Who made the idea to make all of those things? You know what? I am thankful that all of my 38 episodes are just as high ranking today as they were the day I put them in iTunes. It is awesome. You know what? The thing is, is people are listening to virtual assistant podcast. It's still getting tons of downloads. And you know what? That just, sometimes it just means, okay, what, what does this say? You know, do I need to step up my game with, with my content? I will tell you, I created some stellar content related to virtual assistants today. And if you were to create a virtual assistant podcast to, to go up against my show that, by the way, I haven't released an episode since 2010, you'd be hard-pressed to beat my show because it's still got relevant content that people are finding valuable. And it doesn't matter to them that it was recorded three years ago. Anyway, evergreen content. And by the way, John John Buchanan is in our chat room. He says, guilty. Yeah, you're not the only one, John, who said that. The fa- let, me, let me just say this. My friends, be thankful that your legacy will continue to live on beyond you publishing your shows. You never know when that's going to when that's going to come in and be a major benefit. I I have um almost, you know, I don't even know how many guys. If you go over to helpigotamac.com, there are still people who come to podcast answer man every month because they first found us through our Help I Got a Mac podcast, which by the way ended about a year and a half ago. Uh, so, I mean, seriously, it, it, this is a good thing that these older shows are still in there. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. In fact, maybe you want to go out and and if you have tons of extra time, and by the way, if you're not consistent right now, don't even think about this, but if you have tons of extra time, you're super consistent, maybe you want to launch a second show that's just a little series of 10 episodes on something else you want to be known for. Completely different from your current podcast. Go out there, create a show, Release an episode every week for 10 weeks and just let it sit there. And if for no other reason, just to drive a new audience that will find that show and be interested in that show who could care less who you are, but by the end of those 10 episodes, they do care. And now it draws them and drives them toward you and your show that you do every single week, like Podcast Answer Man. Unless you accidentally take off, or not accidentally, very purposely and intentionally take a week off to go to San Diego with your family. Anyway, my friends, that is going to uh, cover what I have here for you this week. Just real quickly, I've got a couple of announcements. New Media Expo has announced the dates 
for 2014 NMX. It is going to be January 4th through the 6th in Las Vegas, Nevada. That's right, my friends. January 4th through the 6th. It's going to be right before CES once again. If you did not come to the 2013 New Media Expo, I'm certain that you're already feeling horrible about that because you've heard all of the buzz, all of the exciting things that happened as a result of that event. And 2014, my friends, I can tell you right now from where I sit as the director of podcasting for New Media Expo, it's only going to be better. 2014 New Media Expo, January 4th through the 6th. And get this, if you go over to NewMediaExpo.com and sign up before April 19th, you can get the content creator pass for only $197. There is no affiliate link for that. I don't get any affiliate credit. If you want to sign up and sign up now and get this greatest price, <laughs> the unbelievable price of only $197, sign up between now and April 19th. The speaker submission forms are not yet open. When they do, I'll be sending out a note to my podcast answer man mailing list. And I also will make, an, um, make a point to share it here in the show. Anyway... Thank you for those of you who are signing up using my Bluehost affiliate link. Thank you to TwoIntelligentIdiots.com. And that's with T-O-O. TwoIntelligentIdiots.com. And TheLightsMedia.com. Those folks uh, used my affiliate link for signing up for Bluehost. And of course, I do get a very generous commission when you do that. If you head over to podcastanswerman.com slash hosting, you get all of my thoughts and views on hosting. And not only that, but you also have my affiliate link there as well. And again, I am heading over to social media marketing world. I hope that I see you in San Diego, California, enjoying the sunshine. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. And then after that, I will be at PodCamp Nashville on Saturday, May 4th. Hey folks, I had to break into the outro here to update this. I did not want anybody to head over to Nashville, Tennessee uh, in four weeks from now uh, and expect to see me there because uh, plans have changed. Unfortunately, uh, my sessions that I had submitted for PodCamp Nashville were not selected. And uh, one of the things that I do take note of is that of all the official sessions that will be at PodCamp Nashville, none of them And I want to stress this, none of them mention the word podcasting. But just to let you know, we will not be attending PodCamp Nashville. Stephanie and I have decided we are not going to take our family uh, down there for this event. And we are officially withdrawing our support for PodCamp Nashville based upon the methods that they use for selecting their speakers based upon the luck of the draw. More on that sometime in the future, maybe. Maybe not. We'll see. Anyway, I'll now return you to the end of the outro of episode 303. God bless you all. Until next time, I encourage you to take everything you do to the next level. Oh, and sign up for podcastingatoz.com. Podcastingatoz.com. Podcast. Add some man.